for riffs. Yeah, yeah, hello, Gain It For Riffs, we are back, it's Gain It For Guests today actually, finally again, we haven't been doing many guest features lately, and uh, yeah, it's a special guest coming in from, you always say the suburbs of Chicago, but you never specify where that is, or the, the name of this particular suburb, but that's where you're coming in from early in the morning. Yeah, I like to leave a little mystery there. <laughs> yeah, Nathan from The Purple Podcast. Yeah. I think I found it one, almost a year ago something like that, and it was a little bit of an eye-opener for me, because it was like, oh, you can actually just hang out and talk about music <laughs> with a friend in another city. <laughs> like, hmm, yeah, that could be an idea, because uh, Ole obviously had moved to Amsterdam at this time, actually way before that, mm. but uh, I think it was the same case with you and John, right? Yeah, we, we, uh, I had moved to New York um, a long time ago, almost 20 years ago, and... Yeah, John and I had kept in touch for a while, and and we started. We always kind of kept in touch about the about Deep Purple because pretty much we're the only person in the other's life who will entertain talking about Deep Purple with the other. And you know, we just kind of trade things back and forth, and then eventually just decided, hey, maybe we should uh, do a show out of this. And surprisingly, people want to listen. Yeah, it's like uh, an ongoing conversation that you started uh, years back, and probably still. Is. Yeah always going on and i think that was the exact same for me and ola i realized we had the we had these riff conversations way before showing riffs talking about riffs it's actually true you know it's not like it's not uh, uh it's not synthesized this format right, it's actually right. what we're just doing normally so that was an inspiration for yeah me. We, we realized we had one common <laughs> one topic in common <laughs> riffs yeah exactly <laughs> a, a podcaster i listened to years ago was, was saying that he's having all these conversations with people and then he realized you know, this is content. We should, I should be recording all this. So he has all these different shows and, or had all these different shows and uh, realized there's probably people that would want to listen. And he was right. So it's, 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 uh, to me, I I find that the podcasts I enjoy the most are the ones that are conversations, like the the ones that the two of you have. And uh, it's really interesting and fun listening to you guys. And you hear that, you hear that you're old friends and hear that you have these things in common and, jokes and all sorts of stuff even when you don't get the jokes it's still you you get yeah. that you get that relationship between the two people that's that's more you know more interesting than even the topic and after a certain point in time you could say well they could they could completely change the topic and start a, a, a podcast about i don't know mobile homes and i'd still want to listen to it because i just like listening to these guys talk <laughs> yeah I, well i I, th- I think so it, it, it could be the case but I'm also I'm also like I like to dig into this uh, this kind of trivia treasure trove that we have in the back of our minds. We know all these stupid things about White Snake and uh, uh, you know Captain Beyond and like wh- where would where else would you be able to use that uh, knowledge? You know, like podcast is just perfect. It's made for this, and I, I guess you have the same. Uh, uh, with the Deep Purple podcast. Yeah, exactly. There's a lot of obviously old and sort of inside jokes that now, strangely, these inside jokes we've had for 30 years, there'll be people from all over the world that are in on it now, and and they'll, <laughs> they'll, they'll be making the <laughs> jokes weird. with us. So these weird things we've been talking about for 30 years, and now some someone in wherever on planet Earth will, will be in on the joke. It's uh, very bizarre, but 
cool that anyone would want to listen or we enjoy it. Yeah. I mean, I, I find myself, I've talked about this, I think, on the podcast, uh, John and I, we find ourselves like, not really thinking that we're recording a podcast, <laughs> but we're just having the conversation. Yeah. And when you get into that zone, I think uh, it's rather nice. Uh, although you can sometimes get lost in like long tirades that have nothing to do <laughs> with anything, you know, you have to watch out a little bit. Yeah, and yeah. then we often, uh, sometimes I'll, I'll forget, like, did we talk about that before the show, after the show, or on the show? And sometimes yeah, right. uh, we will say something and people won't know what we're talking about. And we're like, oops, I guess that must have been before the show. Yeah, but that's the thing. But I think also it reminds me in a way of uh, old school internet the podcasting world where you know with these smaller nerdy platforms it's not much money in it or anything like new school internet is full of that yeah, it's full of profit but uh, this is kind of it's back to that nerdy small platform that i like we talked about the forum days right you and i were talking about that yesterday yeah yeah exactly it's a lot towards that i think this this kind of podcasting world and it was partly the, the deep purple podcast that made me discover that Oh, that's great. Thank you. We're actually not here to only talk about podcasts. I think we could do that for an hour or two. But, <laughs> and there uh, are even but, podcasts that only talk about podcasting, so imagine that. Yeah. But we're staying true <laughs> I, uh, to our format. We are doing riffs today, and all right. uh, our guest is Ooh. riffing as well. So I think, yes! If you I can call it should, that, yeah. Let's... Yeah, I think just before we start with the very riffing, uh, I always want to ask, how did you first come in contact with a riff, or the concept that there is something called riff? Wow, that's a great that's a great question. Um, I don't know when when like I ever heard that. I probably just learned it in at guitar lessons that you oh you call this what the difference between a riff and a lick is. Um, mm -hmm. And yeah, pr I probably just taking things to my guitar teacher and saying, hey, can you figure this out for me or can you teach me this? Um, I started as a bass player, so um, probably and I probably started learning like Metallica stuff early uh, well the first thing i ever took i i uh i, I bought a bass and uh, this area pro 2 which was a piece of junk you could probably you could fit your whole arm between the strings and the and, and the fretboard um <laughs> which which i later ended up being a really uh great thing for me but um yeah I, I got that and i i was a big metallica fan had no idea that cliff burton played an area pro 2 at the time probably a much nicer one than mine. Uh, so yeah, the first yeah. thing I did was I, I went in and I told my guitar teacher, I want to learn anesthesia. Um, and they, uh, he was like, okay, it's a little adventurous, but it took me, a, it wasn't like a one lesson thing. It probably took me months <laughs> to learn it. Like every time we'd go through like another, you know, 12 second segment of it at one lesson. And, uh, and yeah, I learned it piece by piece. And then I, of course I've completely forgotten it since, which is great. And <laughs> now that I can actually play, I can't play it anymore. So um, that could be like your first riff ever. And, and yeah, that, that was probably that. Yeah. Do, 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 whatever. Yeah, uh, there you go. And then I don't know if it goes down to. Yeah, I forgot what he does after that. Something like that. And then of course the. Uh, Yep. Beautiful. See you. You remember it. I don't remember <laughs> yeah, but it's because I it's because I actually pulled a tooth not not long ago. Oh, there you so go. It was, yeah, it's been primed. You know, it's been primed. It was yeah. such a bad recovery too. So that's obligatory has been my that you need to learn how to play that if you get a if you have actually anesthesia. Yeah, it's been my theme. I also listen more to it. I listen more to it too. <laughs> I'm connecting to the song. 
by this physical. Yeah, you did play it. Uh, you did play it in a recent episode, and I, I felt yeah. my molars like ringing from it. <laughs> it yeah. worked. It still works. <laughs> no, it was really the worst. A terrible, terrible uh, op- operation. What, what's the word? Surgery. Oh yeah. To do not that. Fun. I think it was all like in the wrong direction and way too big to be pulled. But yeah, that's a different story. What is it? Was it a wisdom tooth or a? Yeah, yeah, way back there. Yeah, way back yeah. there and completely Ouch. diagonal yeah mine completely were the diagonal. same way not fun yeah. it's, it's been a month it still hurts Ouch. But yeah we're on your riff history your riff story riff story for me like my earliest mem- memories of riffs are things like mc hammer uh, can't touch oh, this you there know? you go yeah i didn't necessarily know that was a riff but it is a riff so yeah. do you have any of those you know like childhood yeah. memories kind of just you know humming riffs that's a great one. Well, while you're on that one, I mean, this wouldn't have been that as early for me, but the, you know, um, um, what is it? Uh, yeah. You know, under pressure. Uh, John Deacon, yeah. Ice Ice Baby. Ding, 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 ding. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Queen for, for, for most of us, I, I guess. Or was it the, the Vanilla Ice version? Well, it's a, yeah, yeah. The Vanilla the vanilla Ice one. I think I had heard the Queen <laughs> one, like, offhand but obviously that one put it on the map i would have been in high school i guess when that came out so and then vanilla mm-hmm. ice was all said oh no no i wrote that it was uh I, I just didn't realize the song existed or he said he put in an extra note or something like nice nice yeah, try. right <laughs> nice try. <laughs> um yeah so there's that one uh trying to think of uh as far as riffs go early early on that would have been one i uh, probably the um like uh, dire straits money for nothing which is almost kind oh, yeah. of almost a more of a lead but it's i guess it's technically a riff that was that yeah, was an Ola, early Ola one, did that, that one. way back in like episode six yeah or something yep. like that. we did that so that was way back but that's also like a one of those riffs i would say yeah and i was i was i remember just uh, it was early days of mtv it was probably when did that come out 82 or something um, I remember just how groundbreaking that video looked at the time as a, as a kid being like, oh, I couldn't believe the graphics in that video, how amazing it was. <laughs> and just the sound of that riff. And it was just like a whole new world. Um, yeah. Yeah. Mm. And, and, you know, there's other things like, you know, money by uh, Pink Floyd, things like that. Those are probably some yeah. early riff memories for me. Yeah. Yeah. We're always uh, on the podcast, like searching for, and quite often, ending up on these like mega riffs these crushing riffs that uh, we like to call them crossriff in the swedish <laughs> which sounds like some something out of uh, ice hockey or something yeah. but uh, and uh, that that is you, you get back to that but in between you also have these kind of riffs that glue it all together and for me one of the first ones that really like got me it, it, i mean it was the bass riff from um, um, from smoke on the water you know like that one and it was uh, it, it was once on a Swedish TV show they had uh, invited Roger Glover right the bass player mm-hmm. uh, to talk about you know Deep Purple they were in town and uh, <laughs> it showed the ignorance of the host because he wow can you play the Smoke on the Water riff and he was of course ex- expecting the, the guitar riff right <laughs> oh, <I can> play. <laughs> Roger Glover starts playing his part and he's like I can play. that's not it <laughs> it just got super awkward <laughs> Sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think it was actually you that showed showed me the, the the brilliance that comes out when one guy plays and the other one plays the riff. Yeah, and how yeah. it's so yeah. much bigger and thicker. I mean, the riff itself is not the, the point of that song. 
Right. I don't think it's arrangement. It's really a, a killer arrangement in that one. They do the one and a half <laughs> chorus thing when they, you kick right back to verse after one and a half chorus. Mm-hmm. I think that's very clever. Similar in Number of the Beast, actually. Same producer. Yeah. You know, s- small things like that. It's not really the riff itself in that song, even though it's always kind of the riff. Yeah, and it, it's the, the quintessential uh, Deep Purple build, which they do in so many songs, but that's probably the most mm. well-known and possibly even their best example of that is just starting off with the guitar and introducing every instrument one by one and um, how much exactly. of a punch that, that packs. They don't often all come mm. in together, but... yeah. Nowadays you don't have time to do that. <laughs> no, exactly. <laughs> Got to get in and out. <laughs> start on the start on the chorus, you know, like and end yeah. one minute later. Like it should be over. You should know everything uh, <laughs> there is to know. But I'm super curious, Nate, uh, about your riff that you brought to today's episode. Oh, I got a few of them. Um... Nice, but uh, you know, interesting when when you guys had, we had first talked about this a while ago, and we tried, we had some technical problems, and I was crazy busy, and we never recorded. I had the perfect one, and then back in February, I was listening to you guys, and you did it, and I was like, ah, I got that, that one's gone. But it was a uh, locomotive breath. Oh yeah, uh, was, oh, yeah. I, I was because uh, that's I mean that was I was so great to hear you guys do that and do the uh, I think you threw in Cross Eyed Mary in there too because that's just such yeah. a it's such an amazing heavy riff, and when I heard it for the first time, um, I was just hooked on that album. So that, that actually might be a good early one too for me. That that and uh, Cross-Eyed Mary, Aqualong, mm. all those riffs were really. Uh, I was huge into those as a as a young player. Um, and the the interesting thing to me is is it sounds like such a a riff, but it's really he's playing like open string chords, which. Um, yeah. To me, yeah. I, before I figured out how to play it, it didn't sound like that to me. Yeah, I played it differently because I couldn't, like, it was uh, the G-string problem. <laughs> no, so <laughs> I, I just couldn't get it to sound nice with the open chords uh, in that particular setup at that particular time. So yeah, I ended yeah. up, like, uh, E5-ing it instead, you know. And, but yeah, it's a cool well, which is kind of what I thought he was doing. And then when I, l- yeah. whatever, got the book or wh- however I figured out how to play it, I was like, really? He's just kind of almost strumming open chords and then but when you play it that way you're like yeah that's that's what it is that's what it sounds like so it's a very Did you play a bit right from hand. it for yeah. yeah maybe we should listen to that riff first then yeah just for context oh, you want for me the to listener play it? poor listeners yeah, why not yeah sure oh, okay. um see here pretty simple but um but it's a cool groove but just yeah it's such a that's not the sound i was going to use for that one but (laughs) uh but yeah it's it's such a great that whole album is just so heavy and weird and when you're you're getting into metal and hard rock as a as i was as a you know or preteen or whatever um just like what the hell is this guy playing the flute? Is this is this really happening right now? And but it's it's so cool. It's so cool just hearing him play the flute and hearing him yeah throwing in stuff while he's playing and it's just really uh, really interesting stuff. Yeah, important band for me. I've already said this, but uh, so I'm I'm not going to do the full version of it. But it was my dad's favorite band, but one of his favorite bands. Yeah, I always tried to find something that he liked that I liked too. And it was you know the Beatles. I didn't figure out how good they were until way later. Uh, and uh, 
the who I didn't quite catch, but the Jethro Tull worked, and so yeah. did the Doors. They've been in with me pretty, pretty much all my life. And then Steve Harris in Iron Maiden is a big Tull fan. Yeah, so yeah. That was a band that, you know, kind of smack in the middle of wherever I would go musically. Yeah, uh, they're a little cool divisive. Band. Some people are not, you know, are just kind of like... Weird singing, I guess, uh, to most people. For me, it sounds like it should sound, because I, I don't remember the first time I heard that voice. So it sounds just right. I think he's got a great, great voice, and who else is throwing flute into hard rock, you know? That's true. All right. Um, so for my first riff, um, I throw in this was a this is a pretty important one for me. sloppy that was <laughs> but it was still grooving that's a lot of groove yeah nice man straight into groove town and i'm not sure i don't like instantly recognize what this riff would be but it sounds very funky and kind of uh, 70s it must be 70s oh okay i was kind of uh getting a um uh what's his name uh <coughs> the guy with the well he has the cross eyes right and um uh oh, I, I, I totally lost it. Uh a guy with crossed eyes. No, the uh cross, and the cross glasses. Eyed, cross eyed Martin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I, <I'm, laughs> I don't know. Cross eyed oh. with the glasses. Hmm. So you so you got this kind of like uh <laughs> kind of propelling uh, peak move that's kind of the, the chorus of the of the song that's why it brings the funky vibe i think is that constant rhythm of the right hand and then you yeah, have that it's... that little bass line you could call it or riff line and then, yeah, it's uh, fitting. It's fitting that I played it sloppy. I play it sloppy because I'm not very good. The, the 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 original player plays. He's got a pretty sloppy feel to it. He's very okay. very loose. Hmm. Very. Uh, but at the same time, makes it work. I I consider sloppy to be a not my sloppy, but sloppy in other players. I consider that to be a very good thing. I I enjoy a nice sloppy sort of style. Yeah, I mean, it couldn't be midi tight because then it doesn't sound good anymore. It's always like there always has to be some kind of um, human touch to it to sound good. But and then you went up a little higher. You went up a little higher too, right? Went more. Yeah, there's a. Even this is a band that is not known for riffs. 
Okay, that makes it uh, inf- infinitely harder for getting for riff the getting for riff boys. <laughs> yeah, this is a band that everyone has heard of, um, and this is not one of their. It's on. It's on probably their biggest album, but it's maybe not the first song that most people think of. I don't think they released it as a single. And again, yeah, they're not a big riff band. Mm. Okay, I don't have any good guesses. It's it's not it's not Chicago, right? It is not I, Chicago. I was also going to guess <laughs> Chicago. <laughs> that was my only guess. Chicago. Yeah, yeah. Th- this is all played by horns normally. That's why you're I only thrown off. Oh, <laughs> I would still have guessed Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you, you can't keep us hanging what, okay. who's playing it All right, it's, uh, it's it? Red Hot Chili Peppers My Lovely Man is the name oh. of the song oh okay off, okay. Of, off of Blood Sugar Sex Magic so what's uh, John Frusciante what's his yeah. name John Frusciante yep yeah, yeah. Uh, Frusciante yeah, yeah I was leaning a little bit towards that because that could because you you were ambiguous to my 70s uh, 70s remark like mm, really so I thought okay <laughs> maybe it could be 90s because that's when a lot of this stuff kind of hap- re-happened you know Happened again. The funky. It's a funky song. It's a funky riff. Obviously, it's Chili Peppers, but it's uh, um, it's yeah, it's something that you wouldn't really necessarily if you were going to introduce somebody to Chili Peppers say start with this song because it doesn't really sound like a lot of their stuff. Um, and on that album, it's a little bit of an outlier, probably, but kind of a kind of a cool rock and riff. I was thinking I was when I was like this cross-eyed guy with the glasses. I was thinking of Lenny Kravitz, and it wasn't that far <laughs> off. Lenny I Kravitz. Think. Uh, <laughs> you know, he has cross eyed That's why he has the the the, gl- the aviators. On. Oh, okay, that's why the aviators. Oh, I didn't know. That. Yeah, yeah. There we go. The, the actual the actual riff was from Blood Sugar Sex Magic, right? Yes. Yeah. My lovely man is the name of the song. Uh, yeah, it was one of my in my sister's room albums. You know, she's born I think nearer to you. She's born in seventy eight. Okay. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, and it's got this really weird part in it where it goes, which always to me sounded very discordant. Like it just doesn't, yeah, sound like it should follow. But uh, it's like a modulation, kind of modal shift, yeah, modulation yeah. within the riff, kind of, you know. Yeah, he, he, it, it sounds like it should be. It should go. To, it goes to the fourth instead of the fifth, and it sounds. It just always sounded almost wrong to me. But I kind of like that. Um, that. It, it, it's almost, you know, caveman-like in its simplicity. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I can imagine also the the bass of Flea being all over the place. I right. guess I can't like picture. I can't hear the song, but you know, I, I can imagine it. And then you have this uh, slightly out of tune uh, rap vocals on, yeah. on top of <laughs> yeah, it, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, really banging drums, I must say. Oh yeah, yeah. a good drummer. I like yeah. the Will ca- Ferrell, caveman nope. riff. I like the other one that you guys uh, uh, said. Uh, is it a, a dinosaur riff? Is that what you call it? Dinosaur that? riff, yeah. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Because it's like I instantly knew what you meant. Yeah. Like, you have to a dinosaur like walking. It's a great. Yeah, but you have to like, you should use the octaver and like, give it like. Octaver is very useful when you're alone playing, actually. Thick, a thickener. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> but uh, Blood Sugar oh. Sex Magic, I think I played a song of that one or the album before that with my band Barbus that Ole was also in for a while. Oh, yeah? the, dr- the drummer oh, yeah. was a big fan. And uh, he, uh, he, also a little bit older than me, I think born in 81. And uh, he really liked Chad Smith for some reason. And I always felt that Chad Smith was more of this utility musician. Like there's nothing too interesting about him. He's just tight. He's just good. Oh, yeah. Play. Yeah. He's, he's, yeah, he's great. He's, um, yeah, I, lo- I mean, I love the sound of that album, and that was a really 
defining album for me. It's one of those albums that you put on and just listen to the entire thing. It's it, yeah. even though it's strangely, it had singles from it, like you know, give it away and obviously under the bridge, but, but you usually just yeah. listen to that album start to finish. I was in a band that covered a song too. I think we did breaking the girl. Okay. Yeah. We did break. And I th- maybe another one mellow ship slinky as another song from that album that I, um, I had one of my early bass songs. I think, I think it was actually my guitar teacher that must've turned me on to that. Well, my bass teacher, I should say, um, because he, he started playing the, the bass line from mellow ship slinky. And, um, I thought it was like the coolest, funkiest thing I'd ever heard. So I, I, he taught it to me and then I got the album. So, so in 91, was that it for you? Or mm-hmm. did you come yep. up? Um, you remember if you prefer that or the black album at that time, maybe you were well, switching, right? I think, yeah. When, when, when the black album came out, I was definitely in that. I was a, a legacy Metallica fan. So I had to, I had to be all, uh, dismissive of it. Oh, they sold out and everything, you know, but I was yeah. whatever, <laughs> when, how old was I? 15 or whatever, when that album came out. So yeah, but I, I had the album and I listened to it a ton. And then all of a sudden, you know, you look around what are, what are the other metal heads doing and decide that, Oh, I can't, mm. I can't like this. I have to like their older stuff. Okay. Um, but uh, obviously I, I know that album really, really well. And, uh, it's, uh, I haven't listened to it in years, but I mean, it's obviously, huge album uh, but i think i could imagine myself being 15 and thinking like ah this metal thing used to be better i'm gonna yeah, listen to yeah. this funky refunk or re-70s type rock instead because when i was 15 uh chili peppers were getting annoying you know there was single yeah, after yeah. single after single it was californication mm-hmm. <laughs> so for me it was always more of an annoying band like i could yeah, never oh, sure. appreciate this band i never really could even though i covered two songs and i had fun doing it and I think individually they're pretty good, all the musicians. They do, and they're definitely a good unit, similar to Rage Against the Machine, that I really like. That mm-hmm. the, the unit of the band is stronger than the individual pieces. So I like that. Yeah. I mean, as a, as a bass player, I, I really loved Flea. Um, I still do. I think he's incredible. Um, but yeah, when they, when they first came on the scene, they were just like this weird late 80s... I don't even know how to describe it, but there were a lot of bands at that time that were just dressed outrageous. You know, Flea was, you had, you ever see those pants he wore that are just all made out of stuffed animals? Yeah. And, and, yeah. and you I know, like just that. Crazy. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Who doesn't like that? I like but that. crazy hair and just like, like this kind of mix between like punk metal and like skateboarder kind of mm. aesthetic. So there mm. was like a lot of bands popping up at that time. And, um, I actually just listened to the Uplift Mofo party plan yesterday because uh, one of the Red Hot Chili Peppers podcasts uh, covered it and I hadn't heard it in years. So, you know, listen to it. It's just the production's awful. It's very tinny. And uh, but it, it captures this kind of vibe that was going on at the time that this sort of proto rap hard rock vibe that I really don't think they mastered until Blood Sugar Sex Magic Um yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm always a more uh, uh, Fate No More type yeah, sure, of guy yeah, same, when it comes to this idea, type right? of music. Yeah. And and I know like the, there's this uh, kind of one-sided rivalry uh, <laughs> yeah. where Mike, Pat- Mike Patton, the singer of Fate No More and Mr. Bungle and all these bands, yeah. he you know, he just uh, craps on uh, Anthony Kiedis. But Anthony Kiedis, I think, is too big to, yeah. to care, you know? <laughs> yeah. <seriously>. But they, <laughs> did, uh, they did this, uh, you know, kind of... Um, uh, parody shows where Mr. Bungle or was it uh, Fate No More would dress up like the members of 
of uh, uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers and just do like shows in universities yeah. and you say that, that they're them and people would know this and Mike Pat- Patton would <laughs> sing out a tune. I remember this. And they say that Anthony Kiedis is the like only one that autotune can't do an- it doesn't do anything for him. It doesn't help. <laughs> but it's a really bad I singer. I actually always kind of liked uh, his singing. Uh, that was never the problem. Yeah, no, I like even the I know uh, around the world in the around the world. Ding ding dong ding ding. Who does that? He's <laughs> actually doing that. <laughs> this kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah, he's he's a he's yeah. one of a kind for sure. Just yeah. he's one of those people that's like he, he kind of almost like an Aussie. He's more of a front man than a. He's not. It's like. Calling Ozzy a singer just feels weird, right? Like, it's, it's, yeah. I mean, I guess he yeah. sings, right? But he, is he a singer? It's kind of the same thing with him. He's a front man. <laughs> but yeah. calling him a singer, just to think of him as this to, in the same realm as like a Bruce Dickinson or something, uh, it just doesn't sound right. Yeah, but I think that's it's, it's a bit of a strength, actually, uh, that one, yeah. too. Uh, but Red Hot, I would say Red Hot Chili Peppers is still like this quintessential rock band. With You have the, the front I, man who is totally bonkers, and you have the... <laughs> Uh, guitarist who's really like uh, you know kind of kind of laid back mm-hmm. but on the the heaviest drugs available and just like feeling it all the time yes and then you have flea who's like a, a crazy prolific bass player and the uh, the drummer is just yeah he's good you know but they they have this um uh they have a natural composition to them to the band yeah uh, and i remember a friend of mine he had this at first. Uh, he was working at uh, the Grand Hotel in in Stockholm. His first night as a waiter uh, there in the restaurant, and who was his first table? It was Red Hot Chili Peppers. Right after their show. Oh my god! <laughs> and he said, uh, "Hey guys, <laughs> I, I, I recognize who you are. Uh, you have to be nice to me. It's my first night. <laughs> it's your first night. Aha! Uh-huh. <laughs> they were all. They were really harassing him all night long. But then they gave him like uh, he, they they signed his uh, apron yeah. and put like a thousand dollars in his uh, oh, okay. pocket. But that he like uh, and he hung it off uh, off at the end of the day and took a shower or something and someone had stolen it. No, so it was just man. a crap night. He was oh, too green. All he was too green even to keep the money. He was too green. I know. Right? It was beautiful. Oh, yeah, was he let green. he let it he let it off too early. He shouldn't have, he shouldn't have told them. He should be like, I'm no, an experienced exactly. waiter. Let me take care of you guys. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've been working here for twenty years. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm twenty years old. I've been working here for nineteen years. <laughs> <laughs> I was working for twenty. Well, that's a, yeah, a rock star move on their part, I think. Still, you know, yeah. still keeping it. I think Def- the only thing they don't have is a crazy drummer. Like they don't have a British uh, yeah. n- nut house drummer or even a Tommy Lee. They just have this guy just turning up, turns up for his work shift. He's just doing it right. Yeah, and he's hard hitting. Yeah. Um, not a lot of dynamics in what he's doing. Just, just mostly just at at a hundred. Looks like Will Ferrell. They, they make it, it looks yeah he managed to become uh he managed to become a meme there for a while when he looked like will ferrell and they did this drum off on whatever show it was uh, jimmy kimmel or yeah. Yeah. jimmy fallon and they would they look exactly alike and they drum you know similarly yeah, yeah it's actually astonishing because everyone had kind of said that for years and then when you see them side by side dressed in the same outfit like i even now if i watch that clip I, i'm I have to think about it before I look back and forth as which is which. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice. I mean, it, we, we haven't covered uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers before, so that's nice to yeah. get in uh, get in the show. Yeah, I think a little I, deep, I, I touched deep cut. It once. Touched on it once or something, but it was nicer mm. to hear it from, from an actual fan, you know. But I mean, Under the Bridge was a, pff, still like, I heard it, you heard it every day, you know, as a kid. Yeah. Like, it was on oh, everywhere. It was... Yeah. 
it was too much. I mean, <laughs> even also, now, yeah, 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 it's a good song, but e- yeah. even now I have a real hard time uh, with that with that song because wow, man, was that overplayed? But hey, the, mm. the great songs often are. So that's the thing. <laughs> exactly. Right. Uh, moving on, perhaps more. Yeah, yeah. Let me get, let me get the bass for this one. Um, Instrument shift. I'm gonna do another one. Not not something that most people would associate with being a riff, but let's, let's take a listen. I must have heard it, but it yeah, could be. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, could be many foundations of groovy, groovy music. You know, probably heard this one. Yeah, uh, it's not Stevie Wonder, right? No, good guess though. No, no, yeah, you're in the ballpark. Like, yeah, mm. yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm, mm. Uh, Mar- Marcus Miller. Nope. Uh, Stephen Miller. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes they Steve call Miller. me Maurice. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Mm. Funky for sure. Yeah, I, I, I totally recognize it. Uh, ooh, but you have to you have to tell us, I yeah, think, or give us a clue. I immediately recognize it. Yeah, maybe a clue. Well, it's definitely not. It's not rock. Um, it's by it's by a very well-renowned jazz musician. Mm. Well, so is it Miles Davis? Yeah. No, I mess with some jazz, but I don't think it sounds like Charles Mingus. Oh, uh, Herbie Hancock. There you go. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah That's nice. Nice. Yes. nice. The song is called The song is called Chameleon. Chameleon. Recognize the yeah. title even. Herbie Hancock, good choice. Really cool. Yeah. I listened to him in many formats, I think, many different lineups. Was he in uh, I mean, it's him and Chic Korea that I sometimes mix up, but uh, I think I think he had played for um M- did he play for Miles Davis? I think he did uh, early also. Is he on mm-hmm. Bitches Brew? Like the... I listened to Bitches Brew quite a bit. He, I think he might quite, be on there. Quite possible. He was all. Uh, he's on uh, a Stevie, at least one Stevie Wonder album. Um, Which song was this? Is it from the Headhunter record? Uh, the Headhunters, yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nice. I, it's such a cool uh, cover. The whole the whole idea behind it is like uh, heavy, like uh, delay, uh, um, distortion laden. Uh, keys. Yeah. It's just like mm, yeah. so heavy. Yeah, he's cool. playing. Crazy, um, yeah. He's playing an Arp Odyssey on that clavinet, uh, Fender Rhodes, and then you've got yeah. just the you know, just typical uh, key, uh, woodwind player, saxophone, flutist, and then a uh, ton of different percussion. Um, but yeah, the bass the bass player on that was Paul Jackson. I'm pretty sure he might even play that on the keys. That uh, he might he might play this opening riff on the keys for for a bit, but then the bass kind of takes over. So like in tandem or yeah, 
and then he's got this kind of like uh, he goes like. time is this the release uh 73 yeah 73 yeah early 70s that could be we could only do early 70s all the time actually game for riffs and we wouldn't run out of riffs no you definitely wouldn't a lot of riffs are on there we've we've been there quite a few times but we keep coming back as well it's like a a magnet there's a riff magnet there i gotta say your captain beyond uh special was unbelievable i mean just thanks man comprehensive Fun, exciting, uh, just and of course I, I love Captain Beyond, so that was easy. But I, I bet even I bet you turned on some of your listeners who'd never given them a chance uh, to that album, and it's just it was, that was a, that was a lot of fun. And there's so many riffs. Thank you so yeah, much. Very cool. And I think Ole didn't have time to prepare. He was prepared by just living his life, and I did prepare <laughs> an unusual <laughs> amount of time for that episode. I mean, I mean, I mean we we've been ob- obsessing over that album. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah, I would say since it came out, but <laughs> you know, like since we heard it, since I heard it the first time, since I got like a, yeah. uh, you know, kind of got got uh, like uh, heard a heard a cover of Mesmerization Eclipse by the Swedish uh, death metal band Entombed, then I was like, Oof, I got it. This is fucking crushing riff. Yeah, you know the. Uh, Yeah, I mean, so many off-time things, and just like, yeah, just just great yeah. stuff. Good ambassadorships on on ambassadorship on Entombed's part. You know, they always brought in interesting covers and uh, songs that you, uh, you know. Nick Anderson was uh, he's also big into soul music and Kiss. He loves Kiss a lot. You know, yeah. he had the band Helicopters Kills. that you may be familiar with. That he branched mm, out into so. this kind of garage-oriented band that was very big, I guess, ten twenty years ago, but. Uh, he brought in a lot of interesting covers, and I think that's a, a little bit of what we do as well, is try to show each other, uh, by example of a riff or a part, like this is an interesting uh, thing. You don't have to become the biggest fan after hearing the riff, but you could get this in, you know. You get this entrance into the band, and now we have that for uh, for Herbie Hancock, or, or again, the bass player's mm-hmm. name? Uh, Paul Jackson, I think. Paul Jackson. And, uh, what's your history with uh, with this music? I don't, I don't know where I would have heard this for the first time. I think I was probably, this was, so you have your phase when you have to say you don't like the new stuff by a band. That's like high school, right? So yeah. this was probably yeah. my early college. I have to get into jazz sort of thing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, never, I never got too deep into jazz. I did get into like some fusion stuff, weather report, uh, this, uh, uh, what's the, uh, What's the band? Chick Corea. Uh, uh, Return to Forever. Maybe. Return to Forever, that album. Very good. Yes. Vishnu Orchestra, yeah. one of my favorites. Oh, yeah, my Vishnu. I, f- I figured them out finally last weekend. I never really got them before. Nice. And I yeah. was, I was, it was the best album I've ever heard, as you say, once monthly. I, but it was so good. <laughs> <laughs> Visions from the Emerald Beyond. It's super good. That one. Wow, it's good. Mm. Crazy guitar, too. It's got some shrieking guitar that cuts through your ear. In a, yeah, in a John McLaughlin. Pleasant, yeah, it does a very unpleasant lead sound sometimes, which yeah. adds to yeah. the drama. Yeah. It adds something to it. 
very cool. No, but it's interesting. These guys who were like kind of taught taught by Miles Davis just just by virtue of being in the same room and just like oh we have to do you have to like up, up my game, you know mm-hmm. Herbie Hancock and uh, yeah. John McLaughlin just like this we can't we can't uh, beat around the bush anymore. We have to train. We have to practice. <laughs> um, and I like this. Uh, you know that that's when is stuff becomes great. You know, and I just uh, like a per- on a personal note like this past year when i've been playing guitar every day finally getting somewhere like after just a idle uh, noodling for years now finally learning songs it feels really good and i think that like for me this year has been very very rewarding in that sense now we're sitting here you know we have guests even from uh, overseas yeah. you know that stuff it's nice like it just evolves I'm very happy. Yeah. <laughs> it was very, yeah, it's, random. It's been notes, planned but, for uh, so long yeah. too. It's been planned. I think we've we've had like almost half a year of planning, trying to get this to happen. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But we did get an honorable mention in your in your in your podcast, and I didn't even have to send you money for that. So that's great. There you go. Well, well, you do you do still have to send it. You just yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, but it's great. It's great. I love what I, I love what you guys are doing with the show. It's just. Um, uh, it's it's cool to just focus on just the riffs and not breaking down the whole song. I don't know if there's any other like riff shows out there doing something similar to this. We tried in the there's beginning. There's no other riff we tried shows. To find one, but we couldn't find one. And I thought that if there's no other Deep Purple podcast, maybe there are no other riff podcasts either. You know? Well, that's yeah, that's the same thing. We tried to look for a Deep Purple podcast. There wasn't one, so we decided. Is we that had to that still make it. the case? Do you know now? Like almost two years in. <clears throat> I haven't come across. I haven't looked. For a while, but I think if I look no. for Deep Purple podcasts, I'm probably just going to keep coming up with our show. <laughs> probably, yeah. <laughs> we, we're dominating the search now. That's good. That's very good. Yeah, <laughs> I did um, uh, the Purple song uh, a couple of episodes back. Oh, also. Fools! Right? Fools. Yeah. Yeah. Jonathan such, uh, didn't, 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 couldn't get it. Yeah, it's a fantastic. Uh, I don't know. It's just this, like uh, you know, deep cut. Uh, that uh, the most people yeah don't don't know about. You might be a you know a, a real Deep Purple fan. And you might never heard it because mm-hmm. it's uh, it's just hidden there on the B side. Um, it's a, a fantastic on Fireball, but it's a fantastic song and also a fantastic riff. And I got to play Demon's Eyes also. That's another cool riff. Yeah, oh, yeah. it's heavy. That's really heavy. Yeah, those both real, two two real heavy ones. I don't know if you heard it through the Octaver, but I I played uh, the intro of uh, Pictures of Home uh, yeah, yeah. to the to the show. Oh, nice, nice tribute. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Was, that was a nice, a warm welcome. Yeah, <laughs> that was the idea. Uh, but Herbie Hancock, do we have uh, more on him? What's his favorite riff? Yeah, what's <laughs> That's a good question. What's, what's his favorite? Riff? Well, then you've got um, you, his more like. Uh, you know, he goes into the 80s stuff, like the Axel F, which I'm sure you've heard. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's uh, he, kind he of a, wrote that, the, the yeah. Snoot in Hollywood, uh, yep. <laughs> Beverly Hills Cop or something like that. Beverly English, Hills right? Cop, yeah. Really? Yeah. Which, is a, which was a huge movie for me growing up, just a hilarious yeah, movie. Me too. But, but, uh, yeah, have the, to, that's in my riff pantheon for sure, too, you know, just by growing up that time. For sure. I mean, it's been abused. It's been abused, but it's good. It's such a different um, sound from f- from what you're getting with with his his seventies stuff, uh, which a, a lot of it sounds kind of like this. But he's got weird songs. Like if you listen to uh, Headhunters, he, he's got it's only 
what four tracks, right? It's you got Chameleon, which is 15 minutes long, and then you've got Watermelon Man, which is like a really bizarre kind of like mouth noises sounding sort of song. Like a Frank Zappa title. Yeah, it does sound the like Watermelon Man. Watermelon mm. Man in Easter Hay. Um, he's uh, it's it's a great it's a great album and uh, yeah I, so I yeah I dabbled in in jazz a little bit but I, I never got I it's it's one of those things that's just kind of beyond me like I like the more funky stuff like this but getting too deep into it I don't think I have the musical knowledge to appreciate some of it but uh, sorry guys give me a give me a minute I have sure. to take a call oh, sure. I think that's what I actually like about the the jazz stuff that is beyond me so when I listen I can't keep the the brain on track of which notes they're actually playing Right, which is right. Somewhat, uh, somewhat liberating in a sense. You're like I'm not gonna understand this. <laughs> I'm not even gonna try. When I listen to Miles Davis, it's just like he comes up with this horn. You know, it's like yeah. a tuta in Swedish. You know, <laughs> it's a horn. <laughs> How could you play that beautifully and that weird and that strange and paint those pictures with a horn? Like, I can't yeah, it's get cr- it. it's crazy. It's it's like the different. It's like I can listen to a guitarist like I try like metal guitarists like so many of them I can listen to and it's like I could I couldn't play what they're playing but I understand what they're doing and then there's people like Alan Holdsworth or whatever these guitar players where (laughs) I don't even know what they're not only could I never play it but I don't even know what they're doing yeah but I think it's also like even Richard Blackmore even though I understand what he's doing yeah the fact that he's always searching as he sell you know he himself Mm -hmm. is always bragging about this but he has the bragging rights because you can tell that whoa shit he didn't have that idea yeah. And then he just overbends it, you know, it goes for one and a half steps right. or even two steps. You know, it's always like on the line. And that's a bit jazzy mm. to me, like improvisation for real. Sure. Uh, yeah. So it's and not you, always about the Alan Holsworth style, which I love too, but that's more that's like science. <laughs> yeah, you're <laughs> right, been, exactly. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's writing formulas, he's studying that shit. Putting it in there like E equals M C square and, and all of that, you know. There's a great uh, YouTube video, um, this uh, new musical Wunderkind, uh, Jacob Collier, who's oh, er- yeah. who everyone loves now. Uh, he's making this breakdown of um, uh, harmonizing in music. And he mm-hmm. starts like teaching like, yes. different age yep. levels, starts with a five-year-old, uh, like a grad student. And then number five, like the, la- the, e- the end boss, is it- last boss is Herbie Hancock. Yep. And they just go at it, just play some... You know, extreme uh, harmonization of like a you know, simple tune. It's great. Yeah. It's really good because they, they, he talks so well about music that even you know if you don't understand uh, maybe the keyboards or you know like you're you can get into it. You understand like it's all based on the uh, based on something that's understandable. Um, but you also don't have to understand it. Yeah. Well, listening to him and Herbie talk about it, you're just your head spinning because they're like, oh, then I, you know, sometimes you had the flat 13th and you can do this. And you're like, oh, and they're like, ha, 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 good one. And you know, I don't know what they're talking about, yeah. but it's very, <laughs> uh, yeah, you, you realize you're looking at two guys that are on a completely different plane. Yeah. And these, these like aliens, these prodigies, they keep coming. There's Corey Henry as well <laughs> with a song called Lingus. Oh, I think he, Lingus he's, when he solos in a library or <laughs> They're sitting in a library with everyone with headphones like us right now. And it's really good. He's, he is unbelievable. There's a video of him going around that where he's three or four playing with his church gospel band. Mm. And 
his fingers are barely big enough to make a chord. And he, he, he counts the band off and it's the funniest thing. Cause the hardest part for him is counting off. Cause he's four years old. So he's like one, two, three, four. And then he just starts wailing on the organ. <laughs> like he can, he can play organ better than he can count at this point. He, he's probably, you know, at the point where he's just learning to count to 10, but yet he understands this instrument that's in front of him. Yeah. And when you see him play mm -hmm. lingus, you see that he's not there. Oh. You know, he's transported. He's definitely in this kind of uh, meditative state. Yes. Souling away. It's very interesting to see because it's so much music that it's almost, it's almost too much, but uh, in a good way. There, there's a French keyboardist named Domi she goes by. I think her full name is Domi de Gaulle, but she, um, she, I've been following her since she was like 17. She's doing these incredible keyboard things on YouTube. And she's got one where she's, in, I, I think she must've gone to Berkeley or something. Um, and somebody puts the, the sheet music for, uh, Corey Henry's, I think it's Lingus in front of her and she's just on an iPad. She's just playing along to it and read, sh reading the sheet music for this impossible solo that sounds like completely 100% improvised and then flipping the screen and just sight reading this entire absolutely insane musical piece um it's yeah it's it's unbelievable that's the that's the worst thing about the internet these days all you've got all these young kids five-year-olds ten-year-olds better than we will ever be yeah. and now you have to know about them too and you have to see them <laughs> yeah. i want to yeah, yeah, ask yeah. Ula about this but i just wanted to add that for me when i started i never thought that i would be on any level as such so for me music was always about digging into my own little holes rather yeah, than yeah. you know excelling yeah and I, I wanted to ask Ole, what do you think we just talked when you when you picked up your call there we just talked about the like the insane level of musicianship that is out there and has been out there for quite a while is it bothering or is mm. it inspiring what would you say well uh, to start off uh, after a year i can now uh, kind of you know start up uh, a tab and I can improvise from looking at the tab and just play it. Uh, if I, you know, if I heard a song before, which I couldn't before, I had to, you know, sit down and uh, practice, you know, for an hour to get going. Now I'm, you know, I, I become a bit lazy and I pick up songs like the same day as a show, and it kind of works. Mm -hmm. And it's improvement you have to keep on practicing. And I've so, like I have so much. Um, appreciation for people who you know who are good at their instrument because they have practiced you know there's no way around that you, you might have talent but i don't know if i even believe it like you you have to practice some more than others but yeah definitely yeah some more than others but i mean even if it's if it's a 10 year old you know <laughs> that 10 year old has been practicing since yeah, they have been practicing. Was <laughs> yeah. three you know uh and, and and you also realize you have to realize that mo some of these kids they don't really like, care for it, you know. They have, they can have, they could be that they have parents that really like. Oh, you have to go to this uh, piano lessons now for. And I, I went to piano lessons and I hated it. Yeah. Now I wish I had put more effort into it, but I had no relationship to music at that age. At you know, like nine, the same. You know, I was just playing stuff off of notes, but I didn't care for it. Mm -hmm. And that's so important to have. Um, and enthusiasm about it as well. So when that clicks together, you see that also in the playing, and you hear it, and that's when it uh, when I really appreciate these uh, wunderkinds yeah. on uh, YouTube. Otherwise, I'm a bit like, oh shit, they should go out and go out and play uh, play soccer or something. Yeah, 
Yeah, you just kind of it's 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 amazing to see these little kids lapping you so easily. But yeah, I I took I, I played trumpet when I was in fourth grade or something. And yeah, like I never really connected with it and figured it out. And it wasn't until I got a guitar and or a ba- or bass, I should say. And my parents got a piano when I was a little older. So like when I when I was able to figure that stuff out on my own and figure out how to improvise and things like that, that I, I had a much better appreciation for it. But like you said, I never practice ever. Um, I just don't have the time or probably more likely just don't have the desire to practice that much. And it's like, I made a very rapid progression from when I first picked up the instrument for like over that first year and a half or two years Mm -hmm. and then pretty much stalled out after that. And then I was probably, you know, if if we had done this show uh, 25 years ago, I would have been in much better practice uh, and would have been able to do things without screwing up as much, but actual skill level. I, I think the only thing I've gotten better with with skill is just kind of realizing my limitations a little bit more and not trying to play things that are beyond me that I'm just never going to be able to pull off. So yeah. that's the only thing I've really gained <laughs> since then. But that helps. And also like on a bright note, you can restart quite easily. You don't need that yes. much time because I've done that, I think two or three times I went completely into synthesized music for a while because I was so mm-hmm. tired of playing. And then when I had done that, my brain had been working out new ideas while I was just, you know, turning knobs and playing very yep. simple stuff on, on keyboards. I'm not a good keyboard player, but uh, I enjoyed the, the, like the sound design aspect of it. And then I, I got tired of that. I went back to playing guitar. And then also came gain for riffs, etc. And I realized how much you actually develop when you're not practicing. But then you got to practice. So yes. I've done that mm. for about a year now, a uh, little bit less. And it, it's really nice when you combine the mental practice with the physical practice. That's when it right. gets interesting. And I think yeah. you could do it maybe when your kids get older or something. They're in a, like, a critical age now, right? Yeah, I mean, they're getting a little easier, but... <laughs> do they want to start a band with, with their father? Yeah. <laughs> Probably not with me. My, my one son has a band. Um, he has a, he's, he's just a kind of creative... He's always coming up. Oh, I've got I've developed these three new movies I'm working on. I'm gonna have a TV show and a band. And he's he's Whoa. always got. He yeah. doesn't actually do anything for nice. any of them. He just he has all these ideas. You know, he's just a creative yeah. mind. Um, so he actually has Great. a band, which I think he was three years old, and he came up with the name for this band, Dirty Nelson. Dirty Nelson's a good name. I was like, that's a great. I was like, that's a better name than any band I've ever been in. And you're three. Yeah. Um, so he's got yeah. a good. He, and then his other name, he's got a new name, which sounds more like a 50s throwback band called Martin. His name's Martin. So Martin and the Make Believes. That's, like, that's a good name. I was like, yeah, these are pre- these are great names. But yeah, he doesn't take it beyond that. <laughs> but he, he's got some interest. He was really like, I've got my record player back here. So he would grab my my dad's old Beatle records that I inherited and he would put a, put them on and just play the drums along to them and just have a really oh. fun time like getting into it. But he's not as much anymore, but we'll, we'll see when they get a little older. How old is he? Oh. Uh, he's eight. Eight. Yeah. So that's yeah. like, you know, there's ways to go from there. I didn't oh, yeah. really understand I, what music was. I didn't get the appeal of music when I was eight. No, I don't think I had touched a guitar until I was 12, maybe. So video games I liked. So I made my own video oh, games, yeah. much, much like your son. I just drew them on a, on a paper. And that was, you know, oh, this, yeah. the, this, the 2D, <laughs> two dimensional scrolling type game, you know, Bonor, yeah. I call them, which is stages, you know, yeah. just stages. You don't have to really, it doesn't have to materialize at that age. You know, you just have to have fun. I think. Exactly. Yeah. 
Uh, but Nate, uh, we, you you play guitar, but do you make songs as well? And uh, like, do you put them uh, the riffs, your riffs into context ever? Do you sing over them, or do you have that? I have like Something a like lot of on. older stuff. Like I, I used to own a recording studio and before that I did like a lot of home recording. So I've got a ton of like old projects and things like that. Other than that, I don't, I do a little bit here and there, but mostly once a year I do this thing called January where every day of January you write, record and put out a, a brand new song. So the idea of it is just to be as prolific as possible, not focus on everything being perfect and just forced to crank things out. So for 31 days a year, I'm cranking out a new song every day. And then one time I actually looped it and I, I, I did it for about 500 days. <laughs> I did it up and wow. through the next January and then a little bit more. Um, so so January, jam, can, you, can you join that or is it just a solo project? Can, can we also join that idea? Because I think it's a great idea. Yeah. Well, yeah. Just, I mean, um, it's, it's a... Thousands and thousands of people do it. Um, I had heard okay. of it first, maybe four years ago. Um, I can't remember how many years I've been doing it. Probably, probably four years ago. Um, from a a friend of mine who's named Brian Funk, which is the coolest name ever. Um, <laughs> he has a music production <laughs> podcast, which is really interesting. Where he talks about kind of he interviews people uh, that do music. Uh, I was on an episode a while back, um, and. I'd heard about it from him and thought it was a really cool idea. So basically you just put it out there and I think most people do it on Instagram with the hashtag and then everyone just throws their stuff out there every day. There's a new thing and it's really cool. Hmm. That's nice. We, we should end this episode with one of your cuts. Uh, you should be able to find something, right? Some old oh, sure. mix down because I throw in all my old mix downs from 10, 15 years ago, like uh, as encores of the episodes sure. and some of all this too. So we should end You'll find something, and I'll, I'll tack it on at the end. It's All right, I'll, I'll, throw, I'll send something over to you. <laughs> so you can sing, Very too. Nice. I know that you can Very sing, nice. actually. I've heard yeah, you sing. Yeah. I don't know about that, but... <laughs> yeah, well, I can technically sing, but whether it that's... Eh, we'll see. I think we technically cannot sing, but we still sing. You know? Yeah, that's, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I, I do sing, whether yeah. or not that's what anyone wants. Well, that's they a different say, story. It's just the Swedish phrase for this is that you sing rather than good. It's a good thing. You, you sing rather, rather than, than good. good. Yeah. Hellre yeah. okay. and like bra. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was uh, came from this. Uh, it came from a review of a Bob Dylan concert that he plays the, uh, the harmonica. Uh, <laughs> that makes sense. Too much. He, he like. He really likes it, but yeah, maybe he shouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, yeah. 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 Well, yeah. again, you know. um, it's a co that's a controversial uh, opinion amongst uh, many people, but not not amongst me. <laughs> No, <laughs> no. I mean, I, 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 uh, I appreciate what he does or what he tries to do. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Dave Mustaine. I appreciate him trying now for the for, trying for sixty years to play the harmonica. I really appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, it's one of the it's one of the things you think by now he would have figured it out, right? Like it, it just through trial and error, he would have made some progress. But yeah, no, it's just reminding me of Dave Dave Mustaine about Kirk Hammett too. Like he he makes he makes good good quality output with the little talent he has. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, typical snarky Dave Mustaine. Yeah. Uh, no, I mean Kirk Kirk is such a good guy too. You know, he's just winning the personality competition every time, yeah. over and over. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, Nate. Do we have another riff? Third riff. Um, third riff. All right, here we go. Uh, this one might make a little noise until I uh, play. Let's see here. All right. This will be very appropriate based on our conversation. Oh, yeah. That's great. 
Jump in the fire, yeah, yeah. man. Right. Uh, you know, just when I thought I was out, you pulled me back in. <laughs> <laughs> it's Metallica again. There you go. Yeah, it was. Yeah, that was not planned. That conversation moving to that, but it just happened to lead right into it. It's very gainy. It for always riffs. does. Very gainy for riffs does. to land on Metallica, especially on this kind of Metallica. You know, oh, they brought in this riff a while back too, right? Yeah, this is my one of my favorites. The 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 one that comes like. However, it goes. It's yeah. nice. Yeah, you can check do, back. Do, 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 do. Bop, bop, bop. <laughs> Episode ten or eleven? Yeah, that's it's early. Pretty. You know, it's 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 a little more obvious than the other two riffs I, that I had previously. But um, it's just early Metallica, and, and it's it's got to be a Mustaine riff. I, yeah. I know he wrote oh, the sure. song in no, general, it's, and it reeks of Mustaine. It reeks of Mustaine. It's <laughs> yeah. all. All pentatonic all the time. Uh, yeah, all downstrokes. Yeah, it's just... Uh, but but it, that was one that always, before I knew Mustaine had been in the band or anything, that was one of the ones that just grabbed me off of that first album right away. Um, it's, just, it's just so heavy, and it sounds like it's in a different... coming from a different place than a lot of the other material on the, on the album. Yeah, it does. And uh, do you know about the lyric controversy? You know, they kind of started out as one of the Dave's Babe songs. You know, yeah. a, a sex song basically, and then it turns it turns into a more demonic, a much uh, more much creation. more Hetfield sort of yeah, territory. Yeah. Kind and of then similar he... to the battle in between Ronnie and Richie, isn't it? Uh, Richie wanting to do sex songs and Ronnie wanting to do demon songs. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Only this time Ronnie won. <laughs> <laughs> exactly <laughs> um and then he repays the favor with mechanics on uh the first megadeth album Ooh, yeah i listened uh, to that today actually killing is my business yeah. when i was cleaning it's a good cleaning album he's <laughs> you know, yeah. rushing yeah, i don't know rushing if everyone yeah. i don't <laughs> get it done fast <laughs> i don't know if it's a good album though <laughs> i, I kind of liked it actually i thought it was way better than i remembered but this was really? the re- redone version when they kind of polished it and I think uh, it's, okay it's but you know you know when you buy album when you're young and you don't have that much money and you buy the wrong album but you really try to like <laughs> right, it right. and you listen for ten times yes. to killing is my business a business is good you bought that like, one. Oh fuck me! I made a mistake. Oh, you made Huge a mistake. mistake. Yeah, you should have bought peace cells <laughs> or rust in peace. Yeah, Who's that's that? it's a bit of a of a of a of a leap from that to peace cells, but yeah, it's uh, yeah. it's it's it's. Yeah, I haven't listened to that in years, but it was a, a, bit, a bit rough around the edges. Like your, I like your riff <laughs> choice here. It's true to you, and it's really true to the Game for Riffs universe, you know. Putting in the <laughs> Dave Mustaine riff uh, from uh, Jump in the Fire, Metallica, uh, from Kill em All, of course, that we already discussed quite a bit. But uh, so interesting, because I, I did amp up by listening to Killing is My Business, and I had that whole uh, drama in my head, which is one of the best dramas in rock history. Definitely is, right? The thing I love about the riff is it's it's so um like it, it could just easily be mm-hmm. 
about what he does and just constantly changing it up to them. And then the, uh, you know, just he's yeah. doing doing these kind of inventive things with it. Um, so it's you've you've only got the uh, re- repetition on that first part. The uh, he does that on the first progression and on the fourth, and then the second and third mixes it up and just makes it something so much more interesting than it could have been. It would have been very, if it was just that repetitive, it would have kind of lost you. I think Lars took a lot of influence from Dave in that regard, because famously the Enter Sandman riff from Hammett was just around and around. And then, and he kind of, you know, let's make a tale of it. And yeah, I think yeah, Dave is really good at that. He's one of my favorite all-time riffers. I've said before, a lot of good riffs, yeah. hundreds. Oh God, yeah, like hundreds of really, really good quality riffs. It's like uh, Tony Iommi level. I, I, I could go to you know, Rust in Pieces, probably my favorite metal album of all time. And, um, but I, you know, I'm not. I wasn't going to try to hack my way through any of that. Cause it's, <laughs> he, he got pretty. Uh, he got pretty advanced on that one. Um, yeah, I, I really hope to get there someday um, to to take on one of these songs. Uh, that would be great. Yeah. There you go. Oh, it sounds so it sounds so haunting on the acoustic guitar. It's like it's different uh, something. It's a cool line. It has the line cliche in it, which we addressed many times too, that chromatic movement, which makes yeah. it a really, yeah. really cool spy. The spy like vibe, you know, James Bond yeah. metal. Yeah, that's a that's a that's a good observation. And I kind one. of had, had made that years ago on our episode on In Rock, I'd kind of made a Hangar 18 and um, Bloodsucker comparison. Ooh. That kind of end section where they they all join together on a on a riff, basically, and then break for solos and then just keep coming back to the riff and wondering if that was a intentional or even an unintentional homage to that song and the kind of deep purple vibe. I'm sure there had to be some influence there. He must have been a big Blackmore fan. I think even the way he tries to be difficult reminds me of Blackmore, (laughs) but it doesn't work as well. Blackmore is a a genius. He has this British high-level irony about life. Mm -hmm. Mustaine doesn't. You know, everything is straightforward to him. So he tries to be difficult, but he comes off as uh, childlike, you know. Right. Well, I think with Blackmore, much like his playing, his difficulty is is natural. It's innate. He's not putting it on. Mustaine is maybe forcing it. And, and, you know, that whole thing about calling it he said it but there was a roadie he was just like calls him a dewclaw ah, I'm gonna roast his fat ass and you know all getting all upset dewclaw <laughs> he's just well, I always felt I always felt like they must have had to work his you know this natural snarl that he has in his like lower lip into his personality because he looks like he's like already an angry guy and it's like maybe it wasn't but like okay i make it work yeah and uh yeah hello me he has to, he has to work it into He's his real lyrics too yeah. total not, not- fucking duplot shout out to pot of thunder <laughs> yes <laughs> 
it's um yeah he's an interesting i mean yeah you could do a uh, even though it has nothing to do with riffs you could do a whole episode about his personality but um as yeah. far as as far as his playing some people give him crap about his playing but i i i love the fact that oh, no, he's very good. essentially megadeth had two two lead guitarists and while dave mustaine easily could have taken the role of lead guitarist and vocalist he he always managed to get somebody that was way better than him on guitar to duel with and that always worked really well for me no no, no better lineup than with marty friedman um it's a very just strong a, lineup there's the, a live yeah. uh, live 92 is it or 91 oh, yeah yeah 92 wow, i think good. it's so good and it, it doesn't sound like they fixed it up it sounds like that's the live no the they were soundboard kind of take you know they were incredible. And I, I, other than his vocals, I think everything sounds like 100% vocals live yeah. from Mustaine are a little, uh, can be a yeah. little dicey, but he's, he's still incredible. I like incredible. him as a vocalist, but I don't like him as a front man. He's a weak front man, sadly. Yeah. Yeah. We should, he should maybe do, just lose the guitar sometimes during the live gigs. <laughs> you put it on the back or do something like he can at least look up at the crowd because he looks at the fretboard. Yeah. All the time, you know, like all the time. It's uh, fringe, yeah. fringe over the eyes. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, it's this. Uh, it, they don't look good in comparison. Like if they play uh, before opening to Ozzy Osbourne or whatever, they don't look come off as a good. No one like remembers them, unfortunately. But I think if you go to a club and you know you're there for Megadeth and they know it. You know, then you can get a good show. I think that's they have their good days and their bad days. Uh, more bad days, probably. Yeah, he's not the most charismatic guy right to, to win over the crowd but that's the like when they did the, the 20th anniversary of rust and peace tour and he just got up there and they played the whole album and then at the end he's like that was rust and peace and then he just leaves <laughs> like okay that was awesome <laughs> it's, 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 the, it's the one weakness of that band especially if we're talking the golden years lineup the one weakness is that they don't have an mc they don't have a, a guy yeah. you know because in this show we always try to tie the riffs together somehow and i've already i already know what your riffs are tied together by and it's the funk you know, it's the yeah. funkiness. It's the funky grooves. You like that kind of stuff. I know from listening to your pod, of course. Yes. You, you keep repeating that. It's brass stuff, music, fancy comes in. You know, yeah, much I mean, to the chagrin of your of your rocker listeners, they don't like that. But I like. No, it. no, a lot of our listeners, yeah, don't, they yeah. want things to be heavier. But I, I do like heavy stuff. But like when you talk about like an album like Rust in Peace, there's so much like groove on that album. Yeah. Um, like like a song like Lucretia or something, it just grooves so hard. It's not. You could easily, if if Nick Menza had changed up his playing a little bit, have that be a really blocky, still heavy song. But it's just a mm. don't. It's got this really great, um, just great groove across that whole album. And to me, I mean, I got that album when it first came out. I remember so specifically um, watching Headbangers Ball. Do you guys have that? Did you have that show or do you remember that show? Yep. Or I was, uh, we, we, I, we were too young, I think, or uh, maybe uh, I'm born 84. Okay. So you know, I I, I got unfortunately uh, on the on the Metallica train by Reload. Oh, there you go. But <laughs> so, a yeah. lot of people did. But it's, it, it, yeah, me too. Me too. Yeah, but it could only get better from there. You know, like you yeah. <laughs> you appreciate that. Well, you're gonna like this. You're in for and a treat. We also have to because <laughs> everything is better. <laughs> yeah, I also, yeah, also yeah, just yeah. wanted to say that we have to appreciate uh, how how great Metallica is. That you could uh, start talking about Metallica, but then you get into uh, you know completely other. Yeah, out of, we talk about Megadeth now because yeah. it it belongs within that discourse. Yeah, 
of course. And I think the sad thing about De Mustang is that he still, you know, wants to be in Metallica. Uh, yeah, and that's uh, yeah. that. That's excruciating scene when he sits with Lars Ulrich and some kind of monster, and talks about that. I mean, and Lars Ulrich has his own problems. Like, yeah, yeah, okay. I have to buy uh, some art now. Also, that could be like a heavy weight on his charisma. I think that he's always bearing yeah. this grudge. You know, that's yeah. heavy on yeah. your charisma. Is going to suffer from that kind of stuff. You're not going to come mm. out as... Because, I mean, right. Hetfield is a sensitive guy, difficult childhood, all that, but he's charismatic. He's charismatic on, like, levels beyond what I've ever seen. I saw them in 2018, and they, had, they did a 3D stage, and I was really close to him, his mic when he was singing the whole song, Nothing Else Matters. Mm-hmm. And that was charisma. I've never seen any charisma on that level. And I've seen mm. Ozzy Osbourne, I've seen Bruce Dickinson, you know, uh, some of the big guys, but, uh, yeah... That's charisma. And he's also a shy guy, you know. Uh, Dave Mustaine was not a shy guy. He was this surfer, stoner, yeah, let's crack up some beers kind of guy. And then <laughs> turns inwards, you know. It's an interesting interesting fate, I think. Yeah. Oh, totally. But and speaking of uh, that, actually, will kind of lead, lead into the final... Um, riff. Riff, which... We couldn't have planned this better, actually. But... Um, <laughs> Yeah. Talking about like funk. Well, actually, you know what? I yeah, I, 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 I play okay. I play bass with my fingers, nice. but I should probably do that with a pick, right? I guess that's got a better sound to it if you oh, do it with yeah, the pick. Both but. sounded great, actually. That sounds really sounded cool, great. Sounded great. I made the, I don't know if you noticed, but I made the bass face. The stank <laughs> yeah, face. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, my wife gives yeah. me a hard time about that because like, you have to like kind of... Yeah. You got the head going. That's and, the yeah. Geddy Lee. That's a fu- the chicken bang. That's, I never... I, 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 I never tried that riff actually. Uh, can you, for for riff, uh, riff again for riff purposes, describe how you're playing that riff? Oh sure. Um, for us, well, uh, in a, in an uh, yeah, mm. however you like to explain. Well, I can, it. I, if I put my maybe move my camera a little bit here. If, uh, yeah, but oh, for wait. the listener, <laughs> maybe we put yeah, it on YouTube the, because we're all on all on camera for once. So. Um, yeah, you just got you kind of drone on the open E, and it's got that really. The, the hardest part for me learning that riff was the crossover here with you're doing. And then immediately oh, yeah. have to come back to the 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 E here. So you when you when you go up to that um that A sharp. Yeah. You have to come right back, which is. A little but A sharp un- adds the funk to it. Uh, yeah. Ba-dum. Yeah, because if, if, if you didn't have that in there, it wouldn't it wouldn't quite uh it wouldn't quite work. Yeah, that's, that's the beauty of non-planning. As you said, we couldn't have planned it better because we didn't plan it. And then this song, <laughs> yeah, I, no. I heard if, it. If we had planned it, if we had planned this, then these segues would have been forced and they wouldn't, it wouldn't have worked <laughs> at all. <laughs> no. I listened to the Killing Is My Business remake, right? And at the end of that, there's a live segment 
And that's <laughs> the first time they ever played this song. And I, I was interested to hear his description of it. He said, like, this is a song about uh, them, I guess the government or the country, not trusting you to be a good guy that pays your bills, that believes in God, that goes to uh, work. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I always thought it was kind of, you know, tongue-in-cheek or a bit uh, sarcastic, but it seems like he's completely just concrete serious. Like, oh, yeah, he, I mean, I think he yeah, has like, been... I pay my bills. I'm not broke. You think I'm broke, huh? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I go to, what is it? I go to... I go to court when I have to. <laughs> yeah. He even went to court as a, this kind of civil judge, and he posted it on social media with the tagline, I go to court when I have to. <laughs> <laughs> so he's true yeah. to his word. He's, he's, he's an in- interesting character. But he, he, when, when um, I was growing up, I knew that riff from, when you talk about early riffs, I knew that riff from when it first came out, before probably three or four years before I would even get into Megadeth because on MTV new news, they used to do MTV news. You hear oh, yeah. it first, but, and for the longest time it was, you hear it first. Yeah. They had and a jingle. Yeah. They, they just took that little, just, just that one little segment and put it before the, that part of the, uh, the news segment. And uh, so I always thought, wow, it's the coolest, funkiest little thing. But I never knew where it was from until I got into Megadeth and, and kind of learned it that way. And then later on, they would change it to other things. They do like record scratches or whatever. But um, for yeah. me, it was always that part. Such a cool band, though, Megadeth. It's Megadeth. so cool. Yeah. I wanted to do a Megadeth podcast, actually. We could talk about that later. But uh... Yeah, I've, I've, I've toyed with it myself. Um, I definitely... Once, uh, once it gets past countdown to extinction, I'm out. I just don't, not that I'm not that I don't like it. I just have no, I just stopped following them around then. Mm. Uh, this same thing with Metallica. So often. I just, happens so often in Game for Rifts too, that we say like, we're going to draw the line at OO or something. Because after that, no, no clue about right, this Right, yeah, no. No clue at all. No, but like there's, I, there's, uh, but, but you realize there is so much uh, that you can pick from. But I, I th- I'm, I'm kind of happy. I mean, I, I appreciate the purple podcast because I mean that's a that's a big band. You know, you can uh, <laughs> there's a lot to draw from. Yeah. But I appreciate to have this uh, open-ended uh, situation with Gain It for Riffs that just can. Yeah. You know, you introduce Herbie Hancock. You have Jon uh, uh, Frusciante. Yeah. And, uh, well, like, uh, by way of Metallica, Megadeth. And, you know, that just flows together uh, kind of effortless, uh, effortlessly, but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> sometimes. I mean, but you kind of have to force it together, yeah. but it still sticks. You know, there's always afterthought. I love afterthought. You know, the concept <laughs> comes after the action. First yes. work, then conceptualize. That's my way. It really is, actually, when I, yeah. when I do albums and stuff. I work first, and then I conceptualize, because otherwise you get stuck in this cloud of, of concept and everything and, and I think that's why also Deep Purple Podcast is a good one because you got the umbrella but that's it you know within that yeah. umbrella you can do pretty much whatever you want actually I mean at least I will listen yeah we might be talking we might be talking about something that's a real uh, I don't know if, how much that's related in fact we're recording one on Monday that's um, it's a it's connected but it's 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 a thin connection but it's a fun thing that we really want to do so we're gonna do it <laughs> James Gang, that was a great one. I still listen yes. to that album, Bang. I listened to it today. It's really yeah. good. You sent me a link earlier. To <laughs> yeah, yeah, just to charge you up, you know. Yeah, and, and there's still a, a second uh, Tommy Bull and James Gang album that we haven't even covered yet. So it's uh, there's so much, so much great stuff. And when I first Woo-hoo. got into Deep Purple, and that was, <laughs> that was, um, that was my, uh, 
my entry point into Tommy Bolin was his box set and then just said, I'm going to get everything, every album Tommy Bolin ever played on. And luckily, okay, what, what is that move, the- theoretically? Uh, it's got to be. Uh, I think Rudy? He, That's right. I think he just slides up and does the fourth. Maybe it's time to wrap it up. Yes. It was really cool to have you over here. I think you got the concept tight. Yeah, it's super. I really enjoyed it. Thank you, Nate. Yeah, thank you guys, man. I I, I love what you guys are doing over there. I love your show. And um, uh, you, you guys are great guys. Appreciate you having me on. And uh, interesting to you know, pick up some guitars for the first time in months and play through some of this stuff. A lot of fun. Hopefully the yeah. technical things we could figure it out for the fact so people could actually listen to it. <laughs> I do that every time. I do it every time. And yeah, then, I'll try know. to clean up my on my end as best I can. But yeah. I mean you always you get this is a show where you dust things off, yeah. You d- yes. dust off old memories. You dust off old riffs and it's just how we work. You could call it nostalgia, but I would rather call it uh reminiscing, you know. It's more right. reminiscing than nostalgia because you're uncovering them from your perspective today. Definitely. Well, well, years ago you would have had to do this in person, and it would have worked. It would have been a lot easier because we wouldn't have technical issues. But you wouldn't be able to get three guys from three different countries together to hash in, in different time zones and every other thing to, to hash out these things, and uh, that's what makes this stuff magic. Basically, Reef UN right here. <laughs> <laughs> the only three countries that matter right here. <laughs> that's uh, three prominent countries, I would say. Yeah, yeah they're, they're good, good, solid countries. Yeah, yeah, three out of five, six out of ten, yeah. three out of five. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thanks a lot, Nate. That was really fun. Uh, have thank a good you so one. much, and, Nathan. Uh, talk to you later, I think. Yeah, and thanks so much, course, guys. Thank you, my brother in pods. All uh, another good one. Episode fifty-two. We're up at a year. Ooh, definitely, oh, nice. definitely. It's been a been a year, let's say. Uh, but hey, again for Riftsters, uh, thank you for listening for another week. Uh, we'll be back next week, we hope, with another uh, Rift podcast, the only one in the world, as far as we know or care. Bye bye. It's a good life.
real me. Gain it for riffs.